Welcome to As We Eat, where we explore the intersection of food, family, history, and culture. We think there's something magical that happens when people get together and share food. Conversations seem to happen a little more naturally. We talk about our commonalities and our differences. We share stories, memories, and recipes. And we'll use food to take a journey that explores our human experience. Share some fun facts and some that aren't so fun. Talk about food history and how food connects and defines us. So if you've ever eaten, prepared, or shared food, then this podcast probably has something for you. Hey, Kim. Hi, Lay. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm super great, as always. What are we up to today? Oh, today's a pretty cool day. We are actually kicking off our series called In the Kitchen With. And as you might have guessed, the series is about sharing conversations that we've had in the kitchen with someone. Those someones aren't celebrities. They're not famous chefs. They're just like you and me. Unless you're a celebrity or a famous chef, then they're more like me. (laughs) Some of the conversations took place in actual kitchens, but most of them have happened or will happen over video conferences because COVID. Stupid COVID. Stupid COVID. (laughs) Regardless, in each of the series episodes, we'll share our conversations in the kitchen as we learned about special recipes. From time-honored family recipes to recipes about cultural, emotional, or communal significance. So I'm very excited to talk to you today about our time spent with Samantha Ferraro. She is the creator of Little Ferraro Kitchen, World Food Made Easy, and the author of The Weeknight Mediterranean Kitchen, all done from her kitchen in Bellingham, Washington. And Sam was eager to share with us how she came to embrace her diverse heritage through food and cooking. She grew up Jewish with Sephardi and Ashkenazi influences through her mother and father, respectively, and why it is so important to her to carry on her family's food traditions. So we made stuffed grape leaves together, and these are also known as dolmas, and they are a classic Mediterranean dish. It's one of the first dishes that Sam's mother taught to her, and by doing so, she brought to Sam a whole world of food and food traditions from the Mediterranean and her Jewish culture. So I grew up in a Jewish family. Both sides of my family uh, are Jewish, but one side is Sephardic and one side is Ashkenazi. So my mother's side is Sephardic, so Turkish, more Mediterranean flavors. One of the first recipes she taught me were these stuffed grape leaves. And it was funny because when I was little, I knew I wasn't eating the same things that my friends were eating in mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. They were bringing peanut butter and jelly or whatever. Yeah. And here's me with, you know, keftikas or, <laughs> or grape leaves. I really thank my mom because she really opened up my palate mm-hmm. to these flavors that I feel like if I wasn't exposed to it so long, I wouldn't be as appreciative yeah. as an adult. To begin, Sam walked me through the process of prepping the grape leaves. And we unrolled these enormous grape leaves from a jar of marinated or brimed grape leaves that I was able to buy at my local Asian grocery. She showed me how to identify the dull side from the shiny side. We talked about how to decide how big to make the rolls. And it turns out this is an entirely subjective matter. It's kind of cook's my preference. Mom, I always have this, oh, you like yours kind of fat. I like mine longer. I'm like, well, mom, I like mine. You know, so we always like kind of do that kind of little battle. Our filling for the day was made of a simple mix of ground beef and rice and some spices. And once we got through sorting through the leaves, unrolling them, rinsing them, trimming the stems, 
we got to work rolling and layering them into the stock pot. And while all of this was happening, we talked about her exploration of cultural foods. Foods like bimuelos, which are fried matzo fritters. One of the recipes that we eat for Passover is something called bimuelos. How we made them because, you know, Sephardic Jews, right? Mm-hmm. Matzo meal, egg, kind of like matzo bride, make it into a thing, you fry it up, and then you make a simple syrup. And then my mom would grate Parmesan cheese. Weird. Parmesan cheese on top of like matzo yeah. fritter. And then you dip it in a simple syrup. Like, what is happening? I'm telling you, it's like, it's a sweet, salty, yeah. mo- it's really good. And the intentionality and purposefulness of celebration foods. Yeah, I mean, there's very distinct recipes and foods that are very like purposeful for whatever holiday you're celebrating. For instance, Hanukkah is the festival of lights. And everyone does, you know, latkes because you fry them. But really anything fried or with oil you know, even oil and baked goods, but we were celebrating the oil. And then Passover, you know, we really do focus on matzah. Matzah is a very important Mm -hmm. food because we want to remember that the Jews were fleeing Egypt. And the Seder plate, everything on the Seder plate is reminiscent of that, Mm -hmm. of what the Jews had to go through. If you celebrate the Sabbath on Fridays, challah is very important because you're using your hands and you're breaking bread, and that challah is supposed to sustain you for the weekend. Some of Sam's passion for her work came from a desire and need to revisit her own history and the foods that give her a unique sense of identity and belonging. You know what's funny is, you know, I didn't appreciate cooking as much as I do now when I was like in my teens and my early 20s. You know, my mom would make all these things, oh, delicious. But of course, when you're a teenager and you're in your 20s, you think you know, you know, better than everyone else. And I just, I wasn't as interested, which was really a shame. My grandmother on my father's side made regular cookies. I don't know if you're familiar with those, those little Jewish cookies. And I remember her making them and I said, gosh, I wish I was mature enough to go to my grandmother's son and be like, how do you make those? But my point is, is that as I got older and as I got more mature and I kind of like wanted those memories again, wanted those flavor memories again, is when I started to ask questions and, and now recreate it and ask my mom and ask my aunt. And it happened later in life when I was more a mature adult, when I really started to appreciate it again. I, I do wish I appreciated it more when I was, you know, younger, but I'm happy that, that I was craving those memories again. I'm thankful for that. And now that I get to experience it now in life. You know, one of the things that I noticed when we were preparing this episode is that at one point, Sam had gotten pretty emotional. And there was a question that you asked her, and it was, what was the kitchen like? Meaning, what was her childhood kitchen like? Which seems like a pretty innocent question, but it stirred up some emotions, and I think that Sam was pretty taken by surprise by that. It was a vulnerable moment, especially when you're talking to the only child of a single parent, something that I have in common with Sam. You know, sometimes you're just painfully aware of what your parent goes through to get food on the table or just to make sure that your basic needs are met when really you just want them to play with you. We moved a lot. I was in a lot of different kitchens and a single mom trying mm-hmm. trying to raise oh, yeah, a yeah. teenager who's also trying to figure it out. What did the kitchen look like? It looked like she did what she had to do. Mm-hmm. We got fed. That's yeah. what it looked like. Oh, I'm going to start crying. This uh-huh. is crazy. Wow, this is so nuts. Wow, this is crazy. I, I never cry. Cooking together is a very potent moment for our parent and child. It's a teaching moment, a bonding moment, and it builds 
powerful memories as we have talked before, especially in our food memories episode. Cooking together lays the groundwork for learning about tradition, about the right way or the wrong way to approach a challenge and to get a particular outcome. And also about collaboration and sharing, you know, sharing space in the kitchen, sharing tools and utensils, sharing ingredients, but also ultimately sharing food. And as a child in the process, I I think, too, that you find your moments of individuality, like you might want to roll your grape leaves a little longer than wider or have more of a particular spice or less of a particular flavor. But even in that individuality, you're still part of this sort of greater unity and greater whole. When adult Sam decided to start sharing her family recipes in her blog and, and ultimately to create a cookbook, her mom was still part of that journey and she had to call her and get some advice. I, I just love this recipe and I love that my mom made it with me while I was so, so young. I stopped making them, you know, as I, I got married and I was kind of fo- focusing on other things and then as I got older, I was like, oh gosh, I really miss those childhood food memories. When I started my food blog, you know, I was like, Mom, I really want to start sharing these recipes. And at first, she was like, well, you know, they're family recipes. I don't know if I want to share them. And then finally, when she was okay with it, I was like, do you know the measurements? She's like, well, maybe it's a half cup. I don't know. You know, you kind of sprinkle and you see how it, but not too, you know. When I finally did post the grape leaves recipe, I got a few comments that were, people were saying, oh, you know, we, I make them very similar. and We call them yaprak. I was like, oh, that's what my mom calls them. That's, you know, grape leaves in mm-hmm. Turkish. Um, so I, I got comments. I'm like, Mom, people have similar recipes like this. This is awesome. My, one of my other favorite recipes was latkes. If you uh, if you grew up Jewish, everyone knows what latkes are, right? Delicious fried potato pancakes. My mom was also like, Oh, you know, put a few eggs in, two eggs, see how it feels. Meal, matzo meal, not too wet, not too dry. And finally, when when I got the recipe down, I started expanding on it. People were were responding to that. Mm-hmm. So. It, it starts with my mom's recipe, mm-hmm. and then I kind of like kind of hone it in and figure out the, the measurements and kind of play around with it. So Sam also focuses on getting folks excited about learning a new dish or new spice. In this way, she's sharing her food culture with others and helping those memories live on. Even if people following her don't know the specific moments of her life, they are sharing part of her life's trajectory. I don't have kids, so how I can share that is showing other people I'm introducing them to these flavors and to my stories and and the culture. So that's how I am sharing my culture, my food and heritage is by sharing it. And on my website, you know, like when I posted the grape leaves recipe, people were like, oh, I make that. My mom makes it. Or I'm Lebanese and we make, you know, very similar. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I want that conversation. That's why I always tell people that you know, my cooking classes, if I inspire you to just try one ingredient, I'm happy. Yeah. Like you, I, you can tweak it. You can whatever, ask me questions, find substitutes that work for you. You don't have to follow the recipe exactly. Have fun with it. Just be inspired. I love introducing people to flavors that they haven't had before. And then they kind of like light up and get excited. In my classes, if I'm adding zatar or sumac or something, I'm like, oh, you know, have you ever had it? Oh, no. And I'm like, okay, you guys have to smell this. And, you know, we pass it around. Yeah. And, you know, and I want them to touch and feel. And I want them to really experience it. And I think that's my favorite part is introducing them to new flavors and, and just being excited. Like, there's this one gentleman who always comes to my cooking classes. 
he's so sweet and he's from Alabama. He's like, I grew up in Alabama. I never had anything like this. And he's like, now I put zatar on cauliflower all the time. Like, yes. Back to grape leaves. They were delicious. With every bite, I could imagine generations of families gathering together to prepare these little packets of joy. And by creating them with Sam and hearing her stories, a little doorway opened in time. And I was also able to visit with her mother for a few moments. They both will be with me every time that I eat dolmas, each bite like a little prayer for unity and familial love. I personally like the ones on the bottom because I feel like they get the most like juice. So let's, we're just going to do that, okay? Yes, please. Look at all this like juicy. I love that stuff. It's kind of like unwrapping a present. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't it? Okay, these are steaming hot. Here, would you like to start with those? Yes, please. Enjoy. Would you like a fork or a knife? I'm just going to... Mmm. Yummy. The lemon and the little butter. Oh, yeah. I, I just love it. I just absolutely love it. What would be her take? My mom, she'd be like, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. This is one of my my most cherished memories, mm-hmm. is, is this. If you are tantalized by Sam's food, I recommend following her at Little Ferraro Kitchen or picking up a copy of The Weeknight Mediterranean Kitchen. Her one-pot paprika chicken with olives and orzo is now my family favorite. And there will be much more about our time in Sam's Kitchen in the As We Eat companion journal, including recipes, behind-the-scenes photos, and the fascinating culinary history of the grape. Whew, I think I'm going to have to go get a glass of fermented grape juice. Hmm. I think we might have a couple of bottles of those here, too. But wait, wait, wait. Before we go, what can our listeners expect for next week? Oh, my friend. Next week, we're exploring the beautiful, unctuous world of butter with some surprising historic interludes about student rebellions, ancient traditions, sculptures, and the platypus. The platypus. Indeed. For more information about today's episode, check out our website at asweeat.com. Follow us on Instagram at asweeat and join our new As We Eat community on Facebook. And so you don't miss an episode, subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It would make us super happy if you would share this with a friend and review it and rate it. Five stars, please. And one more thing, we'll be publishing the As We Eat Journal, a companion publication to the podcast. We'll take you behind the scenes, dig deeper into food lore and history, share recipes and amazing photos, and so much more. Make sure to sign up on the website for updates. Oh, and one more thing. We also have a Patreon page where you can support us by becoming a patron. We've created an exclusive podcast for our patrons called Recipe Box Roulette. We think you're really going to love it. You've been listening to As We Eat, a multimedia project recorded and produced by Leigh Olson and Kim Baker. Obviously. Obviously.